Welcome to Sarah and Abby's Vegan Adventures, episode five. Oh, wait. I thought we were calling it Sarah and Abby's Intactivist Adventures. Yeah, I was just saying, like, giving it a little, like, telling the name of our podcast. I first. think they know the name of our podcast. It's been five episodes. Well, we, just in we case we say they it did. every five minutes. <laughs> anyway, today we're going to be discussing circumcision. Sound effect. <laughs> what would be a circum... Ooh, maybe... No, that's kind of dirty. No, like... I don't know. I was thinking like cheering or something. Okay. So, circumcision is the removal of the foreskin of a penis. So, going back to embryological development, all of us... Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. We're just going into it. We're getting she hit, into it. She hitting us with the embryological... Okay. See... I knew you were a chemistry major. <laughs> Math, actually. Yeah. Um, so all of us biologically start out as female, which can explain why both biological girls and biological boys have, you know, similar parts. So the head of the penis, the clitoris, those are both similar anatomical structures, and both of them have skin over them. So there's, you know, the clitoral hood. And the foreskin of a penis, okay? So those are both natural structures that we're born with in most cases. Um, Circumcision is, you know, when we remove that foreskin on a boy's penis. And I think it's important to note that it's foreskin either way. It's the girl's, the skin that covers the clitoris is also called foreskin. And mm-hmm. female, the thing that we refer to as female genital mutilation is, is you know, just another way of saying female circumcision. And male circumcision, you can use the, the terms interchangeably if you want to. It's all yeah. circumcision. It's all doing the same thing. You're removing a piece of the sex organ. Yes. Um. So me and Abby, Abby and I, we watched a great documentary actually on Netflix called American Circumcision, and Abby's a loser nerd, and took a lot of notes. Nerd. Okay. Um, who takes notes while we're watching a documentary? Do you want to tell us a little bit about like the medical? Yeah. So, the medical opinions. Um, so the American Medical Association, they have described elective infant circumcision as a non-therapeutic procedure, so not necessary. Mm. Um, that's the AMA. That's like the big medical, you know, authority. The American Academy of Pediatrics has had, you know, some controversial opinions. In 1971, they declared circumcision unnecessary. They said it has no valid medical indications um, but then what happened was doctors who had been performing circumcisions, you know, at their direction or just on their own started complaining and men who had been circumcised started complaining and they were like, what are you talking about? Like, what, you know, is something wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. So in 1989, they reneged the position because they started a task force on circumcision and they said, oh, no, no, like, like, it's actually, it's actually good. Like, uh, we, we were wrong. Sorry. 
but really that was just because all the doctors and men were, you know, really upset about the inconsistency or just like the mixed information they were getting. And then in 2012, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they released a new statement. Um, they were talking about the non-medical justifications. So again, this doctor-centered group starts talking about how people use medicine as a justification, but really it's um, a social custom. And what was really kind of upsetting about Sarah probably wasn't listening because she likes to be on her phone. But what <laughs> was really upsetting about what he said was that he goes, you know, the, the criticisms of circumcision say that the overriding ethical concern is the right to bodily integrity and the right not to alter, you know, the body without the consent. But we need to decide as a society what are our ethical standards. Like, I, I feel like that's a pretty, you know, important one. Yeah. Like, is that not the general consensus that that's where we should be? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to have to, um, that guy, um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's U.S. And then medical societies in the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, even the U.S. have released position statements on circumcision of male children, and none of them recommend circumcision as a routine procedure for all boys. In the United Kingdom, um, the NHS will only fund circumcision for medical reasons. So when there's like, you know, an issue with the penis, the most recent statement that we were able to find is from 2019 from the British Medical Association. Again, the United States is very behind the times in terms of putting out research and putting out statements on circumcision and, you know, health recommendations. British Medical Association said the evidence concerning health benefits from non-therapeutic male circumcision is insufficient for this alone to be a justification for boys undergoing circumcision. Also, with sexual health, peer-reviewed article, um, no clear evidence was found that circumcision was associated with decreased HPV acquisition, increased HPV clearance, or decreased prevalence of genital warts. Um... There was no evidence for a protective effect of male circumcision regarding transmission of gonorrhea or syphilis or the prevention of transmission of herpes simplex virus. And then again, that common, oh, you get UTIs if you have a four. Estimated risk of 1% to 2% to prevent a single infection over 100 boys would be required to undergo circumcision. So this risk is marginal at best. It's almost never performed in... Countries like Argentina, Brazil, Austria, Chile, China, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Italy, Japan, Spain, Sweden, France, Norway, Poland, and so Russia. So it's only us. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Are you not going to make right. fun of me for how I said Chile? Um, I was gonna, but, you know, didn't want to <laughs> interrupt your list. <laughs> um, so... Okay, so we're pretty much the only country that routinely does it. Yeah. And it's not medically necessary. It's not. Yeah, okay. At all. Okay. Um, We um, interviewed a father of a four-year-old. We, he preferred to remain anonymous. Um, But 
he indicated that when the baby came back, he had gauze over um, over his penis, and the instructions were to apply Aquaphor or Vaseline um, for a week or two. He said it looked like an open cut, and then eventually it scabbed over. They were advised to let the doctors know if there was any bleeding. There was some irritability when touched, but... Yeah, because it's like a cut. An open wound. (laughs) (laughs) They only gave him local anesthesia. You know, they didn't put him under. Mm -hmm. Only gave him Advil afterwards for pain. No other pain medication. It also seems like parents aren't really asking many questions either. When they're, you know, in the hospital with their babies, it seems like it's, I have a boy, the boy has to get circumcised, take my baby, bring him back. Okay, here's the procedures. This is what I have to do to, you know, allow it to heal. And that's it. It seems like there's not really, you know, a dialogue between most parents and doctors. It's just something that they do. This father that you interviewed did the doctors even say there were health benefits or anything like that? Or how did that conversation come about? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I did ask that. And um, so, no, when they were deciding the, the things that they considered, the, the father himself was circumcised. So they were worried that when he would grow up, you know, he would ask, well, why, why doesn't mine look like yours? Um, their one nephew who was not circumcised had eight to 10 UTIs. He was about four or five at the time. And so they thought, okay, well, the one thing that's different about this baby or child that we know is that he's uncircumcised. They asked their pediatrician who was a female and the only information she kind of gave them was that 99% of the babies that she had experienced were circumcised. And she told them that it was much more uncommon for people to left intact. She advised them if they were going to do it, they should choose to do it right away. Because the older he got, the more he would remember it. And I asked him, I'm like, the more he would remember it? Is that what she said? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) Um... So they're admitting (laughs) that they're remembering it to some degree. Yeah. I mean, at least like feeling something like I, I always ask that people would always just tell me like, oh, they don't like, they don't remember it. Okay. So we can, you know, hurt people with short term memory loss and experiment on them. They won't remember it. Like, I don't, I don't get that argument at all. No. And that's also, you know using that one child having multiple UTIs and he happens to be uncircumcised, that's like a pretty basic logical fallacy there. Yeah, so I think this is, you know, like I mentioned before, this is a non-medical procedure and it's a natural part of the body. And I feel like this is one of those many things that, you know, me and Abby are going to discuss where if people think about it for more than one second, you would realize that it doesn't really make sense to do. Literally. It's not medically necessary. It's a natural part of the body. Think about that. 
get it out of your head that, oh, it's what we've always done. Oh my God. Yeah. This is applicable to, you know, eating meat, which we still have to talk about on our vegan podcast. I know. Um, the use of aversives in dog training. People just have that mentality of this is the way it was always done. This is just what we do. When that really needs, we need to have a shift in that thinking and kind of say, huh, why is this normal? Why are we doing this? Let's think about it. People don't think about anything these days. No, um, they don't. It's really odd. It is. And, you know, when it's when it comes to your child's body, you know, okay, I have a puppy. He's not a, oh my, my human God, baby. I go. can only imagine when I have, you know, a human baby. But, you know, when I bring him to the vet and they're giving him a vaccine, they're t- I'm asking them, okay, what is this vaccine? What are the details? Like, I'm not letting them do anything to my dog without knowing what exactly they're doing and why. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say, let's give him a Lyme's vaccine in the wintertime. Just, you know, when yeah. it comes to food, I'm not going to use the vet recommended food just because they said so. You know, and that's for my dog. When it comes to, a, you know, a child. And now it sounds I, like we're criticizing parents. Okay. Um, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not. I think her point is like, take more than, you know, don't just take somebody's word for it. Read literally one article. Yeah. And, but even (laughs) if you don't want to research it, I feel like a lot of these things, if you just took a step back and thought about it, you know, that's my new thing. I'm trying to think about things. She started for one day. Yeah. It's my new thing. Um, (laughs) Don't rush decisions. Oh my God, I hate you. Um, no, but seriously, like think about things before you do them. And I feel like a lot of the world's problems could be solved. Wow. Using right. that method. <laughs> I'd like to touch on the comment that we got about, you know, oh, you guys are doing circumcision. Like, oh, I didn't think you guys would care about that. That really bothered me. Yeah. Um, that's what, yeah, people think. <laughs> Did you notice that people think that just because we're animal rights activists, they don't think that we also care about oh humans? Because the last time I checked, humans are animals too. <sighs> I, I get really confused about that. That's a great point. Thank you. And for some reason, they also tie in a lot of times um, animals and the environment. Like, not that I don't care about the environment, but um, it's not really, like, my thing. It's not know. your passion. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, those two things go hand in hand because I also notice that some environmentalists that say they're environmentalists aren't even vegan. And then they try to come at me for using a plastic straw. And I'm like, are you even vegan, though? And they're like, no. So I'm confused about that when that happens too was that too harsh um no no (laughs) but like we can Mm -hmm. have opinions about circumcision as females because one we have friends that are males 
that are subject to or were subject to circumcision. Two, we have sexual partners that are one way or the other, and that affects us. Three, we might have a son one day, and we will have to make a decision about his genitals or his circumcision. Four, we can have an opinion about it as a human being. It's a human rights issue. Yeah, and we we can have, yeah, I don't have an opinion about it as a woman. I have an opinion about it as a human being. Ooh. Mm. I like that. People are really quick to dismiss men's That's issues. another one. Um, male issues, and it's not okay. You don't really hear about male issues that Never. often. Um, women issues, you know, that's not to diminish women's issues, but there's definitely men issues that aren't talked about for whatever reason. Well, because they're supposed to be tough and not care about... Which is an issue. Yeah. Like, that's that's an issue. Yeah. Okay. So, Miss Lawyer, <laughs> could you tell me a little bit about that 1982 lawsuit? Oh, my God. You're going to get me in trouble. I can't, like, present myself as a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer yet. Okay, um, I'm in law school. future lawyer. Um, yeah, so the 1982 lawsuit was Marilyn Milos, an activist. Um, she's been at the front end of fighting against forced circumcision in the U.S. She founded the National Organization of Circumcision Resource Centers. Actually, we're going to play a clip from her. So May of 1979, I witnessed a circumcision. And that's when I realized the horror of what we do to babies behind closed doors. And I'd never heard a scream like that come out of the mouth of a human being before. I started to cry, and I was standing next to the baby to comfort him. And the doctor saw me. I just couldn't control myself, and I projectile tears. And he looked at me and said, there's no medical reason for doing this. So not only was I watching, witnessing a torture and mutilation of a baby, I was also hearing that it wasn't necessary. And then, of course, the question is, well, why, why then are we doing it? In... 1982, they decided to bring a lawsuit um, because a mother didn't want her son to be circumcised. The father did. So her organization helped the mother bring the lawsuit. And the court basically decided that they said in their opinion that circumcision, um, because it's the oldest surgery known to man, um, they weren't going to get involved. And also because of the court's reluctance to interfere with family life. Basically, we're going to say it's that decision is up to people. The court isn't going to get involved. So that was unsuccessful. That was um, an attempt that they made to kind of get a, a ruling um, preventing this, just like female circumcision was outlawed in 1996. So let's talk a little bit about the history. Leonard Glick, an MD, PhD, cultural anthropologist, um, talked about again in the documentary. Um, they're going to sue us for, like, copyright infringement. He said that what happened in the Torah was that it was just the removal of the front, front part of the foreskin. But then it later evolved further. And rabbis started instituting, like, another phase called the, like, Priya. And they would remove the rest of the foreskin much more radical procedure so that 
you know, you couldn't hide the fact that you were circumcised because they wanted, you know, Jewish boys to um, be identified as Jewish. And so in the U.S., we do the the more radical. I mean, that's just what everybody gets. It's that the whole thing comes off. And that became the major difference between Christians and Jewish men. You know, the question is, okay, well, how does that translate to the U.S.? The one anthropologist, he had a really good point. He said, people are not just Christians, they're Americans. And circumcision is an American procedure. It's become really super Americanized. So it's not really anymore about being a Christian or being, you know, Jewish. It's about just, you know, wanting to be and feel American and, oh, you know, it's just the thing we do. Not really questioning it. Just, it's American. So we do it because it's American. So there's another theory that in Victorian England, they wanted to discourage masturbation. They thought that a loss of semen made men sick. And so they wanted to stop this habit through circumcision. Well, and besides that, I'm sure masturbation was seen as something like evil. And we have to stop our sons from masturbating or else they're evil. Right. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, because girls didn't masturbate because girls don't like feel anything. Probably they thought. (laughs) And then boys shouldn't. Yeah. And they also thought um, masturbation would cause diseases and insanity. So they started practicing circumcision. John Gish, I can't, do you, can Guy Sheeker? Yes. Guy Sheeker. <laughs> so he's from New Zealand. He's a lawyer, former litigator, law lecturer, arbitrator, mediator, professor, and he specializes in medical disputes and defends people who've been harmed by circumcision. So he said that in the 1960s, when the sexual revolution started, people, you know, weren't getting behind this idea of preventing your child from being a sexual person, um, damaging your child sexually. It wasn't good advertising for circumcision. So they had to change it. So then it became, oh, well, you know, it's all health benefits. And now physicians will claim that it's not sexually damaging, that it's sexually neutral, or that it has no harm. But they forget that the medical community, you know, within their own occupation, said the exact opposite (laughs) for so many years. So I just thought that was super interesting because we never talk about that. We never call them out. Like, think about any other industry or field that has inconsistencies. All of them. Yeah, and we call them out. Or we don't when it doesn't fit our narrative, though. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, this is one of those things that our narrative is that Americans need to be circumcised. So any evidence against it, we don't investigate it because no. And Leonard Glick, the cultural anthropologist, he said that the medical justification, it shifts over time. And whatever health benefit, whatever, whatever health topic is most of interest at the time, that's what doctors claim circumcision prevents. So (laughs) at first it was cancer, penile cancer. And he Mm -hmm. talked about how literally like it's so, 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 so rare in men to get penile cancer. They said diarrhea was another one. Um, 
HIV, they're saying now. That's been the latest kick, like very recent. They're doing tests in Africa now, which is extremely problematic because they are doing these flawed studies and using individuals who are lower income, lower education, and kind of tempting them with access to healthcare, giving them monetary incentives to participate in the study. And they're inflating the data so that it looks like a very significant result. So they published studies um, and said that the reduction for HIV is 53%. But when they take they took a look at the data and saw that the circumcised infection rate in one year was 1.58 and the uncircumcised infection rate was 3.38 so that so it was higher but when they calculated the absolute risk reduction rate which is the number that you should look at it was 1.8%. So he said that the most common error in statistics is for people to artificially augment the results by talking about relative changes and not absolute changes. So after they published this result, they said, oh, 53% reduction rate when we circumcised. Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton started donating money to um, these groups who were going to Africa, giving men circumcisions, promising them years of free health care. And what happened was African countries were having their men line up to get circumcisions so that they didn't have to wear condoms because they were telling them, oh my God, this, you know, reduces HIV by this crazy amount. So it's not, it's not a thing. Like th- this is 1.8% we're talking about. Also, they found that the ones who were circumcised were more likely to wear condoms. So that could be explained by the 1.8% alone. Oh. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> And, and this I is mean, only one study. I think it was John Hopkins. I think they did like a couple studies, but same um, university. Okay. So same group. Yeah. Since you're an evolution major. Ah, uh, yes. Can you? Along with the math. So pretty much, you know, if it's on your body, it's there for a reason. The foreskin is there as kind of a protective covering for the penis so it protects it from friction and you know abrasion throughout life so rubbing against underwear or whatever it needs to be protected from those things um it protects during you know infants when babies are wearing diapers and you know peeing and pooping in their pants um Mm -hmm. it protects the urethral opening from all of those nasty bacteria and ammonia that fester in a baby's diaper the foreskin itself has a ton of nerve endings and is responsible for a lot of you know pleasure that a man can feel during sex and it also protects the actual head of the penis from irritation so by removing that you're exposing that area to abrasion and friction which can lead to loss of sensitivity I would just like to say that all mam- almost all mammals have foreskins. And I'm going to name some animals that have foreskins. Okay. Koalas, bats, elephants, dogs. Literally every mammal has a foreskin. What animal just has their whole penis out? <laughs> Think about it. Deer, bison, rodents. Mm-hmm. Like, you... It- 
And one doctor had a really good point about how the medical benefits are really unfounded and insignificant. Dean Adel, an MD physician, he said that a major claim requires major proof, which they just don't have. And he said it is a major claim that we doctors can improve of the human body by removing organs. And that's exactly what proponents of circumcision say. They say by removing a literal organ, skin is an organ, we can make the human body better. That's a really big, I mean, if you just think about it scientifically, evolutionarily, that's a really big deal. We are the way we are for a reason. Like, years of evolution and adaptations made us the way we are. So to cut something off, that because you, in this one generation, you think that that's the right thing to do, just doesn't make sense. Like, you, you can't mess with nature that way. You, it's, it's there for a reason. A British physician, Douglas Gardner, he talked about the protective role of the foreskin in newborns because that's another thing that doctors often get wrong. They tell parents to, you know, in uncircumcised babies to pull the foreskin back like you would with an adult penis, and that's incorrect. The, the foreskin doesn't um, peel off of the, of the penis or the, the shaft until sometimes until puberty. So he said, um, it is often stated that the prepuce is a vestigial structure. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, vestigial means like um, you don't need it in evolution. Yeah. Um, Is a vestigial structure devoid of function. However, it seems to be no accident that during the years when the child is incontinent, so pissing in their pants, the glands is completely clothed by the prepuce for deprived of this protection, the glands become susceptible to injury from contact with sodden clothes or napkin. So where a, circum- mm-hmm. where a circumcised penis doesn't have the protection of the skin, you know, pee and poop is getting in there in the diaper, the foreskin doesn't um, retract until puberty. So that's covering the opening of the penis so it's not sitting in the pee and poo so you know people are saying oh bacteria gets stuck in there well it's actually preventing bacteria from getting in there and sitting in there interesting so so it's it's you need it yeah (laughs) yes so we talked about how the foreskin is necessary for, you know, protecting the penis as a baby and into adulthood. Um, how does it affect sex for both parties mm-hmm. in a lot of ways? So, like I mentioned before, that foreskin is protecting a really sensitive area. So, when you don't have it, you lose sensitivity. Now, studies have shown that circumcised men. Um, are a lot more sensitive during sex. So sex does not last as long. They take, you know, a shorter amount of time to ejaculate. So some men will argue, oh, well, that's good. Then I can, you know, do it for longer and satisfy the woman. Um, 
that's one way of looking at it. Um, I have never heard that statement in my life. No, I meant <laughs> I want to satisfy a woman. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So circumcision. When you circumcise a penis, you're you're kind of making the structure stagnant. You're taking the moving parts away from something that shouldn't be a stationary object, right? Mm. So penis is meant to have moving parts, which is that foreskin. So when you remove that, you're increasing friction. And what does that increase of friction do? It can increase dryness during sex, right? Um, So when you have that foreskin there, that's not so much an issue. It's not friction. It's, you know, there's skin there and, and it's moving with the skin. So you're not producing that much friction, which is really interesting, I thought. Ooh, this is interesting. What? Okay, so one of the reasons why we um, chose to circumcise men in the beginning was to prevent masturbation. A study actually showed that circumcised men masturbate more frequently and have a higher preference for oral sex as opposed to uncircumcised men, which is really interesting. Oh, because they can't, like, um, feel it as much? Well, that's, not, that's kind of what one of our guests said. Mm-hmm. Like, sex with a woman doesn't feel as good mm-hmm. as it does when you do it yourself. So lack of nerve endings, you know, is really playing a role. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just fascinating? Okay. So they surveyed women in this one study, and they found that women with circumcised partners had a decreased ability to experience orgasm with vaginal intercourse, decreased experience of multiple orgasm, decreased enjoyment of prolonged intercourse, and a decrease of sense of intimacy with the partner. Um, The survey also found a difference in the mechanics of intercourse with circumcised versus intact partners. Ah, this is what we're looking for, Abby. (laughs) This is so interesting. Circumcised men tend to thrust harder and deeper using elongated strokes, while uncircumcised men tended to thrust more gently and have shorter strokes and tended to be in contact with the mons pubis and clitoral and clitoris more. Okay, so that's what they also mentioned in the documentary, that it does affect the actual way that people have sex. So when you have have an uncircumcised penis, in order to get that pleasure, right, because one of the, like, your penis isn't as sensitive, right? Yeah. And there's friction. You have to thrust harder to get satisfaction, and your body moves away, right, from the woman's body. And a lot of the woman's sexual satisfaction comes from, you know, engagement with the clitoris. So when you're moving away from the body, you're not engaging with that part of the woman mm. right oh yes this is so interesting <laughs> and then when, you, when you're uncircumcised your bodies can stay closer together which is engaging you know, the love. Woman too. and yeah like increased sense of intimacy too no listen big picture like is this why like men <laughs> hit me with it hit me with it are incapable of feeling emotions <laughs> like because <laughs> no listen like 
women are always seen as the ones who want to have meaningful sex and cuddle and this and that. And that's the way sex should be. But mechanically speaking, men cannot have sex like that and have it feel good for them. Um, and it should be able, they should be able to do that. But they can't. Maybe this does cause an issue with, like, the dynamic between men and women today. Because, like, having sex is an integral part of a relationship, part of the human experience. And, you know, for both parties, and to have that taken away without a say when you're a baby, and that's going to affect the rest of your life with a partner... I think that that's really sad is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It definitely has a bigger effect on people than we think it does. Yeah. That's what they were talking about in the movie. Like a lot of things that under a lot of underlying issues for boys and men, it goes back to that early trauma. Yeah. Cause, cause it's trauma. And I think people don't, recognize that or view it as trauma because it's so normalized Um, speaking of trauma trauma, mm, they said in the documentary you know what just turn this podcast off (laughs) and watch this documentary no um, yeah no but yeah yeah um they said the younger the baby because people say Mm -hmm. what do people say they don't they don't remember like doesn't even hurt just snip snip Mm -hmm. they said the younger the baby the more exquisite the pain. Do you remember that? Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, when they were talking about that, they were talking about also how boys who were circumcised had a higher, you know, pain response to vaccines later on. In yes. Infancy. Which is indicative of PTSD. Wow. Yeah. I found something else. You're going to die. Or what? And I'm going to buy this book for us to read. It's called Ritual and Medical Circumcision Among Filipino Boys. This study represents pioneering research that provides conclusive evidence of PTSD after circumcision of Filipino boys. Wow. (laughs) Keep going. Is there more? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's a whole book, but um, yeah, it says long-lasting psychological symptoms of PTSD have been reported in adult males subjected to infant circumcision many years wow. later. Wow. Because I, I first read that, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe because they called it genital mutilation. Maybe they had it done later in life. Nope, right here. Infant circumcision. Yeah, I think that this is, yeah, we definitely need, like, as a society. To talk about this. And, like, research it, because that's really interesting. We have researched it, but people don't care. into, Into, like, adulthood and, like, the effects. I don't know. Like, I think that can explain a lot of things, potentially. Like... Besides, like, obviously there's gender roles, which are an issue, which we could talk about in another episode. But I wonder if, like, this PTSD, like, plays into that, too. Like, 
and we just think it's all like gender roles that guys are like oh my god yeah that like guys are assholes and guys are this and guys don't care about girls and guys just want to and blah 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 maybe it's not all about gender roles maybe it is about circumcision well yeah because Mm -hmm. if 60 percent of united states men are circumcised then that would you know give rise to the other 40 percent going along with their peers yeah by social conformity you know and maybe some of those issues you know they feel it they feel different because their normal penis is now the abnormal penis yeah we need to and you know what no more giving no more letting it slide you know yeah I'm sick of letting <laughs> no I'm sick of letting parents <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, is she gonna go there though? no I'm sick of letting parents you know get away with things because it's their kid no yeah just like it's that, their dog mind your business no i'm not going to mind my business because that is a child of god you know you can mind your business on things that don't harm something yep. you know you want to let your kid dye their hair bright pink that's not harming anybody so nobody's going to come at you for anything about that you shouldn't because that's not harming anybody you know, you you want to walk your dog on a four-foot leash instead of a six-foot leash? Okay, cool. You prefer that. That's not hurting anybody. You, you <laughs> like a plastic crate instead of a wire crate? Okay, it's not hurting anybody. Do I have my preference? Yeah, but that's my preference. But mm-hmm. you choose... To use a prong collar on your dog now, now I'm getting involved because now that's harming someone. You choose yes. to circumcise your son. Okay, that's an issue. So Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no more. It's the parents' choice. It's their kid. No. It, no. We need to do something about this today. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We are no, intactivists, and, and we're proud. proud. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Yeah, and I think you know, as a human being, you know, we're lucky in that we, you know, have morals and we can use our brains. So let's take advantage of that. And when something is happening that seems a little weird, think about it. And let's not just keep making the explanation that that's the way we've been doing it for years, because that's what I think a lot of people say about a lot of issues. And that's why there's a lot of injustice in the world. When in doubt, like that? do without. Do without. <laughs> Grandma. Can you say my last name oh, on this? Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. So we actually have a few guest speakers because speakers. you know we acknowledge that some of our viewers, <laughs> a few guest speakers, some of our viewers might be questioning our credibility on this topic because we are women without kids. So we figured let's bring in some men. Mm-hmm. So we have a circumcised man, an uncircumcised man, 
and someone who chose to get circumcised. Yes, folks, chose to get circumcised later on in life. Yeah, there's not many things that men can explain better than women. (laughs) But (laughs) we think maybe circumcision Mm -hmm. is one of them. Maybe. Jerry's still out. Yeah. So let's let's bring on our first guy. Okay, so our first yeah. guest is Robert. 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 <laughs> Hi, I'm Robert. I'm an anthropologist. <laughs> so Robert, just let's just get right into this. Sounds good, Abby. <laughs> Could you tell us what is the difference or you know, in your opinion, or just can you just describe a circumcised penis versus an uncircumcised penis. Like, what is that? What does that look like? So, what circumcision means, um, you know, basically they remove the foreskin. So they remove an overlapping protective skin about section on the penis. And when you get circumcision, they cut that off. What does an uncircumcised penis versus a circumcised one look like? Like, can you tell the difference? Do you know? Yes, the difference? you can. Um, Best way to describe it is when flaccid, an uncircumcised penis, um, you won't see the head. It'll look like a sock, I guess. And an uncircumcised penis doesn't have that. You see the, the head, the tip of the penis all the time. Now, if you feel comfortable, Robert, could you share with us, are, you know, are you intact or are you... I am circumcised, if that's what you're asking. You are circumcised. Yes, my will. What? Against your will. Oh, so you are a intactivist like Sarah and I. Um, yeah. Probably. Intactivist. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's men's rights, if you want. It's like, it's their right to decide if they want to get circumcised or not. There's that birth, so it's not like I remember. You don't remember. I was like, I was like, probably like about five minutes old when that happened. So your parents did it in the same hospital trip that yep that happened when they had you okay i popped out you were born in a hospital yes damn or was that surprising to you yeah a little (laughs) do you know why they decided to circumcise you um i'm assuming they're just following tradition i mean for most doctors they just circumcise normally because i mean that's what they do that's the procedure but they don't they don't really interrogate that they don't think it's good or bad so i mean it's just like the very stupid idea that you had to have your penis circumcised because men are unable to clean themselves uh, it's kind of a silly cultural thing as well did you ever talk to your parents about why they decided to do that sometimes i yell at my dad when i'm drunk but like you cut off my <laughs> and what does he say I just shrugged his shoulder. It's not like a conversation. It's not, yeah, it's not a conversation piece, like, because majority of men that I know are circumcised. Um, now, how do you know that? Is that, like, a thing that men talk about? I I mean, dudes look at each other naked all the time, too. Yeah, check on the bro. It's just, it's just, like, norm. It's a very cultural norm. If you were, like, I think it's probably by class, like, you know, working class white Americans, they probably all circumcise. Just because you go to the hospital, they don't really know what they want. And like, oh, I'm circumcised, the father thinks, and probably gets his son circumcised. 
they think that's normal. They probably have some faith-faith initiatives as well. So the majority of people I know are circumcised. And usually people that are uncircumcised, this is an interesting little tidbit. Remember back in the day in high school football, um, they used to like make fun of people with uncircumcised penises. They did. So they did. Yeah. The, it was abnormal. It was the other. It was not the usual. So that is, you know, the primary argument that I, I think most men give as to why they would choose to circumcise their sons because they're going to get made fun of. I didn't think that that was actually a thing, but yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. There's like a fetishization of the penis by the man. Um, especially yeah like the young developing ages it's like one like the most it's very symbolic and very important like for usually for like shape length you know size it's very like personal and representative of that man or at least that's what they think but then why cut it like i don't get that like like she said it's part of the norm right um some cultures it's a sign of it's a ritual to ascending to manhood. You're a cultural anthropologist. Have you are you familiar with Leonard Glick? He's an MD PhD cultural anthropologist. Um, he talked about how originally, way before you know, developed society, fathers were circumcising their children as a sacrifice to whatever deities they worshipped, and then it evolved kind of as um, a substitute for child sacrifice. And then it became a Jewish ritual because in the Torah, um, the creator appeared to Abraham and he was 99. And they said, you will be able to impregnate your 90 year old wife, but you must cut the flesh of your foreskin. But he was talking about how in the Torah, he only removed a tiny part of the front of the foreskin. And then Jewish men during the Hellenistic period, they were... They're performing athletic contests naked and they didn't want to appear circumcised. So they would pull their remaining foreskin back and then clip it in the front so it would look normal. So then rabbis started doing a second circumcision called a priya. And that's where they would remove the rest of the foreskin. And that was like a much more radical procedure. And that's that's how our circumcisions in America are. The removal of the entire foreskin complicated subject but i mean it seems like dr glit makes a compelling argument about this, but i don't know if i agree with him oh okay that's interesting what do you what's your uh, take on it couple things um i'm trying to be reflexive so obviously leonard b glick is a male right and he's got his md and, yeah. and then he got his phd later like a very much medical background to understanding anthropology. Those are the two biases right there. And I feel like that, that could be one way, one method. I'm not saying that what he argues is completely untrue, but it's also lacking a lot of insight on you know other perceptions, such as how do women see circumcision? Like, is it is it a way to downplay the mental orgasm? You know, there's so many other things. And, you know, what, how else could you understand, like, what do the individuals think about their own circumcision? How is that different? Like, what other cultures practice it? 
I feel like those are very important questions to ask. And I, you know, I'm not very familiar with Glick's work, but those are the questions I would ask. So I guess we talk about circumcision. Nowadays, um, it's probably intimately connected with notions of masculinity, notions of manliness, that kind of great toxic masculinity. I mean, you know, male penis is a, like definitely a heavy fetishization, as I said. And it's imbued with all these characteristics. It becomes like the receiver of like all sorts of different ideals about our world into this lump of flesh. And the circumcision, you know, that takes a part of it, part of it away. For reason, now you are biologically altered to fit into society's norms. But I mean, that practice is, that's common. I mean, it's both violent and it relates back to how, I don't want to say a state, but more like society, how it has this like almost hegemonic or gender norms have this hegemonic power over us and it forces us to cause violence on our bodies to conform to society. That, I think, is it right there. Gender norms are very toxic. Um, they mean flexible. And when that happens, males have tips of their penis cut off in order to conform, not tips, but sections of their penis cut off and to conform into their own world. There isn't just one true understanding what, what the circumcision really means or like what happens when you do that force and how that changes your identity. And that's like also really important. It's not like, oh, now you're less of a man. No, no, now you're more of a man. Now you're normal. Now you're other. It can be all those things and, no, and completely different things. You have to remember that. I agree that it does change your masculinity, but it's dependent on the context and the, the ideals that you're surrounded around. But yeah, so it can make you less man. I know, um, I don't know whether or not this is true or not, but I have heard rumors that removing the foreskin also reduces sensitivity. Yes, there are studies. Yeah. The male's orgasm is less pleasurable, which, you know, is horrible. That now we just cut off people's or foreskins, and now they have that shit for the rest of their life. They talked about that in um, the documentary. Keratinization happens. So when that foreskin is removed and the tip of the penis is rubbing on clothes and, you know, just like everything diapers. that it's rubbing on. Diapers, clothes, sheets, whatever. It has to become hardened because it's so, so sensitive. Mm. So it's like the, the skin, when you look at the skin under a microscope, it's keratinized. So it's harder. So it's less sensitive. And then when you're not circumcised and that skin is covering it, the tip is actually like, they explained it as like a, like a different not type of skin, but it's like a glossy, more sensitive skin down there. So it's a lot more sensitive. And having that skin, they were explaining, like, having that extra skin there during intercourse, again, like, increases pleasure because there's not as much friction. You know, when you're circumcised, then it's just, you know, friction happening. When you're not circumcised, you're kind of going in and out of the skin, which is decreasing friction, which is making it more pleasurable for both parties. And I think that's hard for men to hear because... You know, no man wants to think sex could be better or, you know, my sex isn't the best sex, whatever. And it's what Robert is saying about this male. It feels like an attack on your manhood. Like, I think that's why it's so widely um, accepted still, because if we have a conversation about it, then we have to then men have to acknowledge. Yeah, okay, something has been affecting our sex life or our sexual experience. And I think that's hard for men to accept. 
public secret, right? It's like, we don't want to admit it, but we know it happens, but we just continue to let it happen. Would I circumcise my child? No. I mean, if he wants to get circumcised, I would pay for that. So I still feel like I'm still obligated to help my son in their social world or they, whatever gender they prefer. But I want to make sure that they get to choose. If they want to be, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to tell them either way. To me, I mean, it's not my penis. I don't care. But I want to make sure that they have the best sex possible because I want to take that away from you. I wouldn't do it without them telling me, hey, I want to be circumcised. How do you think you would respond if they say, oh, dad, you like mine doesn't look like yours? I'll just explain to them. But in like more, I'll explain to them what circumcision, but not like, well, because, you know, I won't give them like the very basic, like you do it for health. I'm like, they did it because they're mean. And I'll, I'll make it probably sound like more of the truth. I'm like, dude, you're the lucky one. Like, I'll tell them all the benefits. So I wouldn't lie to them or um, try to impart like a certain cultural idea of what it should be. I'm like, hey, this is what happened. This is kind of like the history. And I'm sure like, depending on how old they are, they're just like, they'll stop listening. They won't even care. They're just like, I'm out. Anyway, so it's a very useful tactic to tell them the truth. They probably won't listen. I like that. Parents are very into lying or not lying. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like lying. <laughs> sneaking around their kids. Like, I don't want to tell. Like, I don't know how they'll take that. Like, it's very weird. They don't trust them with the truth. They think they're like old enough. I mean, I guess the, in my opinion, the quicker you tell them the truth in the beginning, the less you have to deal with it later. But they already know how like the world operates and you, like, you don't like shelter them for the horrors. They might have a better appreciation of life than saying someone who's never had a struggle or seen other people struggle. So when did you learn or discover that your penis was altered as a baby? When I went to college. So then the kids who were being made fun of in high school, you thought they were just born like that and you weren't born like that? Yeah. Huh. I thought this is how I was born i'm like i guess some people just had foreskins i didn't like really connect that i was physically altered so that's like i still have the scar on my my penis and everything and but i always thought that was just like you know a weird looking tan ring i wonder what that is but i never really really questioned it wow I don't know so that's an issue with sex education i would say you know that's part of it but also, it's like kind of a tough crowd. I mean, maybe they did talk about it. I sound like I was going to pay attention about the penises in class. No, it's not. No, it's not they not. definitely don't talk about the sexual education system in our country is fucking horrible. They, they leave a lot of important things out. But also, I think I mean it's it's like you said, we're scared to talk about it. Taboo almost. I mean, I don't know, but I feel like psychologically some of the parents probably feel guilty about it because they had to witness it and then they have to deal with a crying scream baby afterwards so they probably feel like a little guilty for like we just chopped off his little piece of his because i don't know we don't talk about it and it's something that's normal like what we were saying before you know it's just a thing that we do in american culture that nobody thinks twice about and why because that's the easier option because when we do think twice about it then maybe we do feel guilty and we do start to question our own sexuality and we do start to question what we did to our babies and that's not a good feeling so it's just easier 
to sweep it under the rug and just not talk about it? People who circumcise um, or or who support circumcision, even who haven't had a child, get very, very defensive about their position. Mm -hmm. People feeling very strongly that it's the correct thing to do to circumcise. They might throw in some weird ideas about might make your penis look bigger. That's one I've heard. Which which might make your penis look bigger? Circumcision. Oh, we get circumcised because our penises makes it look more, I don't know, pleasant to look at. Yes, yeah, some sort of aestheticism. Well, let's adjust that. Penises are not pleasant to look at, like, either one. Well, and, yeah. you know, what they look like when aroused is the same across yeah. both. You know, like, no, you know, the primary argument is that it looks weird and that girls, I've heard that girls are going to make fun of them, right? No boy is going to show a girl their flaccid penis. So it's going to look the same either way. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. It's gone. When it's ready to go, it's going to look the same. <laughs> Have you seen an uncircumcised penis like in like close yeah. up? That was a very quick answer. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> What is the primary difference in appearance for you that you notice? Like, can you tell right away, but, or do you have to, like... Yes, I can't see the tip of their penis, or, like, I can look, like it looks like kind of like a flower bulb. Like, the leaves are, like, lapped, lapped over, and you see the very tip of it, of the flower sticking out, which is just the penis head. That's how that's a I... That's pretty see. comparison. Yeah, like that's that. how it looked to me, I guess, is the best way. I'm like, oh, which is... For me, it's unusual. Like I don't want to see this often. But it's for me, I can notice immediately if the penis is circumcised or uncircumcised. That's like a weird skill. But and what is your immediate judgment like? Without even thinking, like, what do you immediately think of? I usually think they're not in some type of Abrahamic religion. Like they, they're not like monotheistic. So there is an immediate judgment that we make when we see somebody who is uncircumcised. It's, I guess, kind of stigmatized in a way. Have you ever had a sexual partner? No, ask? I'm a virgin. Okay. No, I'm joking. Um, Have you ever had a sexual partner ask you before you had intercourse whether you were? It's never been a topic to discuss before. I've never had that conversation, so no. Really? That's not something they asked me. Like, that's never been, like, a requirement or, like, a qualification question. A girl never asked you, oh, what is that ring around your penis? No. Or? Fuck, I didn't even know what it was for the longest time. Sure, they didn't All right. notice. So I guess we're just weird, Sarah. What? I mean, I'm just I've one person. I've definitely asked men, like, what is that? I haven't. And then I've told them i was like did you know because once i found out i was like did you know that that ring is actually your scar from when you got circumcised and they're like no <laughs> so we've talked a lot about male circumcision how do you feel about female circumcision oh he's asking us a question now Ooh. <laughs> um, so I feel like this, you know that's the other half of the story which i think is important yeah well actually so we were watching american circumcision the documentary and i didn't know that it was only banned in 1996 that that's not that long ago yeah i was a baby then <laughs> yeah sarah we were alive. was born actually both of you were born before that 
You acting like you're so young. You were, <laughs> you were born in <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm obviously really opposed to that. And I think most people are. I think when the concept of female genital mutilation comes up, people Let's call it out. female circumcision because that's right. what it is, right? All right. Yeah. Or we can call male male, yeah. male genital mutilation because yes. that's what it is. I like Circumcision that. is kind of a fancy word to disguise what it is. And I, and I really, I can't spell it. I'm sorry. I cannot. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm um, <laughs> I think that female genital mutilation is obviously wrong and messed up. And most people are against that when you bring it up oh they, of course that's wrong they they freak out um there was a woman who talked on the documentary who actually was circumcised as a child and was like completely traumatized by it um but another woman was explaining that she was kind of happy that she got it done because she was too sensitive down there prior to having it get done. And so the one woman is completely against all circumcision, male or female. And the other woman who had it done kind of like in her teens, and the other one was like maybe seven or eight. The one who had it done in her teens is a proponent of, when you're of age, being able to decide if you want that procedure done. She agrees with that. And I I thought that was an interesting point because I had never really considered that. But I think that yeah, if you are a woman and you are over 18 and you have make it, made an informed decision to have your body altered, then I don't think it's something that we should say you cannot do that because that I think that's the case now, is is it not? Yeah, I yeah, I think that we this goes back to us not being we don't have the right to tell people what they can and can't do with their bodies. So I, just as much as I don't have a right to tell you, you have to get circumcised, I don't have a right to tell you that you can't get circumcised either if you choose to do that. You know, it's, a, it's about just giving people the opportunity to consent to it and make an informed decision. And it's weird because people try to balance that with the right of the parents to make the the um, decision for their child but when it comes to things like abortion people will say okay the baby also has rights okay so what about the baby who comes out and is then having a surgery performed on them that's a body modification so should we be able to sue our parents because they circumcised us people have done that so I don't think it's been successful because of how the law works. You can make decisions for your child. But I guess my point is, like, we're very into protect the rights of pre-life. Well, how about we protect the life at life and that right to be free and secure in your body at birth? The ontological kind of contradiction there. Right? people are pro-life but then pro-circumcision you're like that doesn't make sense i think you're presenting a false dichotomy though i think you could be both you can be all for the right of 
the baby before life while they're in the womb. Or I could be pro-life, but then also be pro that baby has rights once they're born. You're not one or the other. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. People, you can't be pro-life and pro-circumcision because by, by being pro-circumcision, you're not allowing that baby to have the right to their body, to be secure in their body. Yeah, so what you're saying is that most people that are pro-life are also pro-circumcision? Yeah, because most okay. people are pro-circumcision. Okay. I'm okay. saying if you're pro-life, you should really be against that circumcision. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, all right, so we agree. Yeah. You're always trying to fight with me. As always, I argue know. the same thing, just in different words. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Okay, Robert, what else do you want to share with us before we bring in our next guest? Um, you know, with any type of body mutualization, it's inherently an issue with power structures in that society and how those power structures reinforce the norms. And gender is one of the most important norms that we have in all societies. So circumcision tries to modify that. So you could say it circumcises manhood. You think it you think it makes you less of a man? I feel like it literally takes a part of your body away from you without your consent. I don't think it makes you less of a man. I feel like masculinity is constructed, it should be, in my opinion. On a day on an individual, how you view masculinity is how you should view it. You know, whether that's being responsible, it shouldn't be attached to your physical qualities of your body. Should be more attached to the way you engage with the world, but I, I feel like it's still it's inherently they're trying to reinforce gender norms. That's how they control power. I mean, that's how they keep power. Circumcision is like a power thing, too. So you think that we're exercising as a society? We're exercising power over men by circumcising them. Yeah, more form. Cultural norms are still reproducing the one idea of what a man should be. Going back to masculinity and defining characteristics of masculinity that I found of this toxic masculinity is being able to be in control of things as a man, right? Like you are in control of a lot of aspects of your life, especially your sex life. And I think when you bring up to men that they were circumcised and that was something that was done out of their control that's what makes them question now their masculinity which is why they have maybe such a defensive response very interesting insight thank you so you wish that you still had your foreskin yeah i feel like i was robbed of better sex that's it yeah that's what i care about for i mean it's like my body i shouldn't like imagine if they like cough your foot when you're born that's not fair Really took your foot off, and I gotta walk impaired for the rest of your life, or with adapt. It's not. It's my body. Like, like you may have rights over me as a child, but do not take pieces of my body. So, I mean, in that sense, if we can circumcise babies at birth, why can't we just maybe take a kidney as well? Mm-hmm. You know, help pay for the surgery. Have you ever had? Um, this might be too personal. Have you ever had a UTI? Okay. I, uh, I don't think I've ever even had a. I don't. I've never been told a story from a friend that they've had a UTI. Oh, have you ever thought about or considered foreskin restoration? 
No. You would never do that? Absolutely not. Why? The damage is already done to the sensitivity of my penis. How weird. And like, no one's going to see it. No one cares about the aesthetics of my penis. It's not something like, you know, if I broke a tooth, obviously I would get that replaced. But I'm not going to get my forcing replaced. That's in my pants. So it's not a new piece of skin that they put on. They made these tools, apparently, that you can put on it, and it stretches the skin that's already there. So, like, you would be creating new skin, and it takes five to six years. And then that whole keratinization process apparently does happen, and you do gain more sensitivity again. Once it's once the whole process is done after six years, you can also do it like without the device. You can just pull your skin, hold it for ten seconds, and then release, like every day. I mean, I'm fine with my penis. I'm upset that I can have more sensitivity, but like, I don't feel like a desire. Like, I mean, to me, that that's what happened in the past. That's part of my history, and I understand that. And like, I moved beyond that. I don't care. Like, I don't want my foreskin back. It's like, it's gone. How do you know that you have decreased sensitivity aside from what you've read? Because my is not very sensitive at all. And I, Mm you know, I mean, it's literally just, I can engage in intercourse for very long periods of time, kind of have known me long for a male. And, you know, I definitely feel like that's due in part to the fact that my sexual organs are very much less sensitive, so it's hard to achieve an orgasm. Like, extremely hard sometimes. Um, and also, I remember being very younger, my the tip was much more sensitive. But now, when you were younger? Yeah. And now it's like... Oh, probably before the keratinization, right? Yeah. It's more like calloused. Oh, interesting. Do you feel any resentment towards your father at all for choosing this for you? Or I feel resentment towards my father, but absolutely not for this. This is my (laughs) choose I have my father. So not really. No, I mean the grand for my myself personally, I'm not speaking for any other man. Grand scheme of thinking for myself, it's whatever. I mean it shouldn't continue with the bad process. But the fact that it happened to me doesn't inflict like some sort of trauma. It doesn't keep me awake at night that I lost piece of my skin. Okay. Do you still enjoy having sex? Yeah. But I don't enjoy it for my pleasure. Oh my god, no. here we go. No, that's interesting. I'm mean, lying. I'm not. I'm literally not lying right now. And how would you so, even know? Because so no man and oh. you only enjoy having sex because you're making the woman happy. Yes. And that's because you you don't have much sensitivity? Yes. Huh. So So do you you don't do masturbate? You, I do. Okay. Like I you know the ratio to the activity to time to come, you know, I it's much quicker. With masturbation, but for sex, for some reason, it it's not as effective. That's interesting. Yeah, so, would you say that you you have a high sex drive, or 
a low sex drive? I would call it variable. Okay. I feel like it depends context situation. Certain times, if I'm you know with a another individual who I found attractive, then yeah. But if I don't have that desire to seek out, you know, potential partners when I'm not around them, like I'm like I'm fine being by myself. I don't feel this need to go out and fulfill like masculine qualities by going out and having sex and achieving the status of machismo and toxic masculinity that doesn't that doesn't appeal to me and it sounds like a lot of like work i wanted to kind of lazy thank you so much robert for your time we're so sorry that your penis was taken from you why you gotta say it like that okay how would you want me to say it we could just say bye no but i want i want to apologize on behalf of Oh, Paul, they didn't do it. It's not, like, directly your fault. Like, your apology is not the one I want. Whose apology do you want, Robert? I want the doctors that continue to carry it out. All of them? Hmm. I want them to admit that they were doing stuff that shouldn't have, and they don't know everything. And, in fact, most of the knowledge is based less on empirical science and more cultural ideas. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, but I don't want to hear that. No, I love that. Thank you so much, Robert, for being here. Thank yes, you. thank you. Now our second guest, John, will give us his experience on circumcision or lack thereof. All right, yeah, let's get John from the back. Where is John here yet? Let's security to John. Can you check if is John in the back yet? Okay, perfect. Just bring him out. <laughs> Oh, Robert, uh, do you need a parking validation? Okay. He doesn't. Oh. <laughs> we have a parking garage. You're so... John, please, can tell the viewers about your penis. Well, <laughs> where to begin? <laughs> well, hi, everybody. My name's John, and I have a hooded cobra like a whole different entity, you know, like it's, it's, it's sentient. <laughs> so you place a lot of, you know, value in your penis? Yeah, I'd say so. I try not to, but. So our first guest today was circumcised. So you are our first guest who is uncircumcised. What is it like having an uncircumcised penis? It's the greatest. <laughs> when do you... Um, first realized that, you know, there was a difference between circumcised and uncircumcised penises. I don't really recall. I imagine it probably, I, I realized there's a difference when I was, when watching porn. Okay. And were you like, did you feel weird, embarrassed? Did you think it was like just how it was? I mean. No, not really. Actually, a lot of dudes from where I grew up were all, not many were circumcised, to be honest. Like out from the kind of in the more, I guess, the country, you could say. One of, you know, the biggest counter arguments to this is that since circumcision is kind of like the normal thing to do, and most men in the United States are circumcised, people are concerned that if they didn't circumcise their kid, 
the kid would get made fun of. Did you ever get made fun of for not being circumcised? No, because like I said, like my, none of my brothers and I are none of us are circumcised. We're a friend's family of five boys down the road. None of them were circumcised. Like I guess it was more common, at least in my hometown. Have females responded to your penis being uncircumcised? I think like no complaints to my face anyway. <laughs> you know. Did a girl ever comment in a negative way? Never negatively, but again, I don't know what people might have said that, you know, behind my back or whatever, you know, but never to my face. I've only ever gotten, a, oh, that was, I've gotten a, that's, I prefer it. I've gotten, oh, that's just the first one, like whatever. And I've got no comments. That's those are the only things I've experienced. Um, I've had a few after the fact say like, you're my first. And I'll be like, what time? Oh <laughs> I'll be like, are you a virgin? They're like, no, nah, like you're my first, you know, put Cobra. But uh, nothing, yeah, no one's ever, like, reacted, like, like, oh, my fucking God, you know what I mean? Like, freaked out over it. I don't say nothing, or that they say, oh, this is the first time I've said I'm Oh, and Abby, to answer your question, <laughs> um, you know, locker room, I guess. Growing up. Sports locker room. I know, but I just feel like, so you never experienced bullying? of your foreskin. No, the only thing, honestly, the only thing I've seen negative about it is online. Like, you know, people like memes and shit, but I've never in person heard someone be negative about it, to be honest. Have you ever wished that you were circumcised as a child? No, never, because I can experience sex both ways. What do you mean by that, both ways? <laughs> like, you can kind of control the position of your foreskin. Like, I can peel it all the way back and or do whatever, or just kind of let it do what it wants to do, <laughs> you know. Huh. Now that's interesting. We, did, we haven't heard that perspective before. Definitely. Yeah. So you tell me, have you noticed a difference when you've had sex between people with or without? Physically? Uh, not yet. Do you do? Yes. I feel like I can tell a difference. Yeah, I mean, the only other 
about it, like I've heard, again, there's only shit I've seen online. I've heard that like, it's supposed to be cleaner circumcising. Uh, it's easier to keep it clean, I guess, but. Did you have a lot of um, infections as a child in your penis area? A lot of what? Like UTI, UTIs or anything? No, no. I've b Believe it or not, I've remained very clean. <laughs> I've not had any diseases of the penis yet, knock on wood. Other than that, I think it was a religious practice that just kind of got secularized, you know what I mean? So, I mean, between you and me, I think that's unnatural. I don't think they should cut dudes. So when you say between you and me, do you mean between you, me, Sarah, and the entire, like, <laughs> our viewers on the podcast? Yeah, and all y'all guys, too. <laughs> Sarah, where are you? I'm right here. I have a question. Sure. So, John, 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 why did your parents choose... To not circumcise you. I, I, my mother told me that, you know, she had the option. And when she saw, like, the cute little baby, she said, it, like, she just couldn't bring herself to, to do it. Had to try to put a knife to him. So, yeah, so she gave that. Oh, well, you know, I couldn't bear to see him cut yet, so she didn't do it. And nobody pressured her to do it? No. When you had that conversation? I had to have been in grade school. I, I think I was in grade school, and I had asked her about it. So that, so that's when you noticed your your foreskin. Like, so were yeah. you watching porn already then, or you had noticed? Oh yeah, before? yeah. I, I I started watching porn at a very young age, which could be its own whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have you back for the pornography one then. Oh, um, did your mom say that like? I don't I don't recall I don't recall my dad being a part of the decision in the story. And I was told the way it's told it was her she decided like no they're not gonna cut my son. And how many how many brothers do you have? Two. Two brothers. Sorry, right, we don't need your whole life story, John. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What number are you? I'm the youngest boy. Okay, so she had had two boys already and, had, and decided not to circumcise. Yeah, they're, they're COVID too. Is your dad circumcised? I don't, I don't know. I think I've seen How my dad like once in my life. Can you ask him? No. I can't imagine that he is, but I, I don't know. If you saw him circumcised like as a child, do you think that would have made you feel some type of way? Like, why does my look different? I don't think I would have remembered, you know? But I... Well, I guess comparing yourself to him, you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it would matter. Because I saw both on the internet, you know. So it didn't, like, face me at all. Have you thought about if you were to have kids, would you circumcise your son or not? Oh, no, yeah, no. I would never. If I were to have a son, I would never circumcise him. Absolutely not. Okay. It's like, it's like, you, it's attuned to, like, you know, vagina, um, what do they do? What's that called? Genital mutilation. Exactly. It's what it's genital mutilation is strong. Says anything about it. It's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. You know what, I mean? what would your message be to a parent who is trying to decide whether or not to do that to their baby? What would be your message? I mean, I I wouldn't do it. Because you can always get it done. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can always get down the road and decide, hey, I don't want this anymore. I've never had that cross my mind once. I've heard of guys having theirs removed later in life. They had a choice, you know. 
get discriminated against because of the only the only time i saw someone get discriminated against because of their genitals was not even it was like because of their pubes like <laughs> like dudes from my hometown don't really shave all that much and my buddy went to college and like he said like people were shitting on him because they were all shaved clean and he was just a pushy pet <laughs> so that's about it yeah never been not even for size really like I don't know. John, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'd like to thank your parents on behalf of society and behalf of all boys for making the decision not to circumcise you. Amen. Thanks, Mom. All right. And then um, Mr. Oliver. Hey, Oliver. How are um, you? Long time no talk. Mr. Oliver. Mr. Oliver. Um. So, you know, the first question I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, is are you circumcised or uncircumcised? I am circumcised. Okay. Was I'm missing some skin. Okay. Were you circumcised as an infant? Um, well, I was circumcised when I was, I think it was 13 years old. I got circumcised when I was in, I think, uh, the middle of eighth grade yeah middle of eighth grade interesting okay so is that something you chose for yourself i did a little out of the norm i wouldn't uh recommend it but at the time it seemed like a a, a good and dandy idea okay why did you choose to be certified uh i'm gonna go with social norms i um I remember seeing, I was in a gym, or who knows, was in the locker room, kids were getting changed, and I just noticed that my penis was was different. And, you know, eighth grade's right around the time when everyone's, um, you know, finding themselves sexually, figuring things out. Girls become a hot topic, they're not gross anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I want to I wanna have a positive sexual experience experience with my possible partner. So I'm like, you know, if me not having a cut penis might prevent that, that's a no-no. That's not okay. Hmm. I'm, actually, I'm actually remembering it now. I think I was in first grade and you know, I was doing dumb first grader things. I was hanging out with my best friend, this kid named, and we had to take a piss. We were out in the woods doing boy things, who knows, throwing rocks and squirrels. And we are pissing behind a, a bush at the same time. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, that's not like mine. Like, what's wrong with yours? Like, mine had, huh. like, you know, skin over it. And his was like a rocket ship with, like, a... just different. I don't think I asked him about it, but 
I remember telling him, like, dude, yours is yours is messed up. <laughs> well, you were right. <laughs> I mean, essentially, right? But at the time, I mean, I guess as I grew up, um, I figured eyes, mine was wrong. I felt like, you know, everyone that I saw, whether it be in porn or magazines, you name it, you know, as you're growing up, things change. Mine was different. And I had no reason to believe at the time that um, other countries see foreskin as the norm or that uh, it was it was natural thing to have. So when I was around eighth grade rolled around and uh, everything I've, I mentioned uh, before, I took the opportunity to get it chopped. So did your, was, was there a conversation with your parents about it? Like, did they explain uh, yes. to you that it was a natural part of your body? Did they try to discourage you from doing my it? Mother, I, I, my mother, this is a long time ago. My mother did, but my father didn't. So I think I brought it up to my father. I did. I brought it to my father first. I'm like, hey, this is a weird question. Don't want you to ask me. I think I even said this. Don't ask me questions about it. This is just what I want done. I would like to be circumcised. And he's you know, he just kind of like shut his yap. Like, what the hell? What the hell do you say to your son that's asking to be circumcised? He's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk to your mom and um, I'll uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> that was a okay. quick conversation. Afterwards, I think I, I, um, my mother talked to me. She's like, you know, this it's normal for you to have your skin, but if you want this done, we could do it. And you know, I didn't understand the severity of that, but um. You know, I wanted to have it done. Looking back on it, my hindsight or foresight, huh? Um, <laughs> I I wish that I I wish I kept it. I wish I kept it. I can't feel a difference, but I think uh, I think if I could have done it again, I would have kept it. Well, you hadn't had sex before you were circumcised. No. No. Okay. Had you um, pleasured yourself? Yes. Okay. Yes. There was definitely oh. masturbation pre-circumcision, uh, and but there was no sexual relations with anyone else besides myself uh, before that. Did you notice a difference in like how it felt before this is, and after? I, I didn't notice a difference really. Okay. You know. How painful was it? So painful. Couldn't move. Couldn't move, not because I couldn't move, but because whenever something brushed up against it, it was the most irritating, painful thing in the world. And it was basically, you know, f almost almost fully, not engorged. It was like engorged, but flaccid because it was just so um, inflamed because of the surgery. And it was like that for about two to three weeks. And did you wear underwear during that time? I think I just wore, you know, loose clothing. Um, I remember having to get like uh, these, it's like a specific kind of wrap that um, it's not dry. It, it's like, a, has like a, like a bacitracin kind of thing on it. And uh, I would wrap that around that and then I would gauze around my penis to keep it covered. And that, that you, allowed me to go to school or do things. How do you think it would have felt to have a diaper around? Uh, probably awful because they're kind of tight, right? Yeah. I think my best option would have been a dress if that was socially acceptable. 
Were you put to sleep for the surgery? Yes, I was put to sleep. Okay, so they okay, so they, they had general anesthesia and it still mm-hmm. hurt when you woke up. Did they give you painkillers? Um, I think they gave me painkillers. How my parents were uncomfortable with it, they wanted to see how I how I could tolerate it with like you know uh, over the counter like you know Tylenol. So I was able to tolerate it. It was fine. Didn't know what I was missing maybe, um, but it was really only when something brushed up against it. As long as it was just doing its own thing out in the open, I was fine. What about urinating? I don't remember. I don't. Okay. And it's probably a good thing. It probably means it didn't hurt, right? Or that you blocked it out. Maybe I blocked it out. Maybe it was so painful. But I don't think so. I think it was fine. I think urination was fine. Okay. Just any kind of physical punch. That sensation was absolutely not okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did they warn you about any potential um, complications if they like took too much or too little? Uh, of my penis? <laughs> yes. Um, no, no. They, just, um, they said not to touch the stitches. And up until maybe two years ago, or maybe three years ago, you could literally see the stitch marks like as a scar, a scar tissue. And recently that's all, uh, I guess, healed away. Did they ask you how much you wanted off of it? Uh, it's not really a choice. It's just they just take enough of it off where... I mean, I don't uh, where like you know, there's no no there's no overlap onto the head of the penis. How much was it? How much skin? Oh, how much uh, money? How much money? Oh God, I wish I knew. Uh, I'm not sure even. You know what? I have no idea. I was too young. You know, I wonder. I wonder if this is covered by insurance. You know, I don't know. Usually, I mean, it's technically, not. it's it's a cosmetic surgery. Yes, exactly. I'm not sure. Um, I guess as a youngster, my parents would have found any way to pay for it because. It's a weird thing, and I uh, mustered the courage to ask them, and here we are. I can't even imagine asking them for, hey, remember when I got circumcised a couple years ago? What was, uh, how much Why did, did they choose not to circumcise you to begin with? Um, this I know. My mother said that she was tired. Uh, she didn't want to see me in any more pain. She said, you know, you did enough. That's in enough. any more pain? Well, you know, childbirth, I'm assuming, is taxing on the on the human body for my mother, and I'm assuming for a child. So she said, you know, once I came out, she just wanted me just to be happy, and uh, and uh, that's it. You know, she didn't want to see me any more pain. She thought that that was it was cruel to do it. Is your father circumcised? No idea. I believe so. I would bet he is, but I haven't Sarah? seen my father's penis, which is probably a good thing. Were you ever okay? So you felt different but were you ever bullied because of it no i was very uh cautious not to tell anybody that i had um before skin beforehand um i actually when i got to australia this is all this is actually when i felt accepted i was in australia for a little bit for um for school and you know i was there for just about a year and i, I met this girl she was, she was lovely her name was and this girl, um, she said that she actually had never been with anybody that had a, had a circumcised penis. And that was the only time I'm like, wow, so this is it's normal to have one. I don't think I told her I got circumcised, but I felt like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have done, maybe, I, maybe it was a bad move, but it felt 
it was really good to have a, a normalized feeling about it because I always felt kind of, I always felt the odd man out with it. Do you feel like if your parents had more of a conversation with you about it, they could have dissuaded you from having the surgery? Uh, possibly. I was very strong-headed as a kid, and once I made it in my mind, I made it up. I think that would have been hard for them to convince me otherwise. I think that it might have actually, it might have dissuaded me, but more out of embarrassment. Like, oh, okay, let me just stop pressuring this because they seem to have a problem with it. And that might have actually uh, kind of sealed it on the inside. Do you know what I mean? If they kept pushing it, I might have been uh, a little more uncomfortable to... Well, you don't have to push it. You can just say, oh yeah, well, here's why we didn't, you know, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. But you can think about it if, if that's what you want. Knowing how they handle things, I feel as if it might have, I might have been a little more embarrassed about it. Just knowing how they act. But I don't know if I would have, um, I don't think I actually would have been okay with it until I, you know, I bridged that gap in a sexual experience to, to feel like it's normal. You know what I mean? Like I would have needed a real, uh, a real example, I guess. Do you think sex education would have helped there? Like, oh, I went to Catholic school. Wow, yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. Good point. All right, I gotta go. I just got to my training session. Okay, good luck, baby. Okay, good luck. All right, baby. The dog is double in size. Oh my god, they grow up so fast. Okay, bye. All right, I'll I'll (laughs) finish with this one. All right, bye. Okay, this one. Like talking about it, how bodies are different. Yeah. You think that would have helped? I I think that would have helped actually. It wasn't the. The sexual education in uh, Catholic school, it's not a, it's not, it's, not a, it's very, it's very vague and specific. It's, um, don't talk about sex or how it really, ha- I mean, this is what they said, you know, I remember the conversation, like, penis and vagina, you stick it in, I don't even know what they said, they, they were very, very specific, it was not an open discussion, they didn't tell you about the different kinds, they didn't, definitely did not mention foreskin or not, or not. That was definitely not mentioned. Um, but I, I don't think I would have been swayed unless I had, you know, some kind of, it's a different experience. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what it would have taken. But like, for example, the experience I shared about the Australia situation, that's what, that's what it took. You know, a that's girl what I felt. saying. Well, just knowing that it was normal society, right? I might've, I feel like I would have been too stuck. Had to happen naturally, right? Not someone trying to, um, but at that point, you weren't normal anymore, according to her, because she said, oh, I've yeah, never right? seen a norm like that one. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But up until that point, it felt normal. For American standards, it was normal. Um, and then as you know, you grow up, you find that, you know, you're a small little town, your little world, the girl you like in second grade, you know, everything changes, and your world uh, expands. So that that's the only, I feel like, unless another uh, very natural situation like that where you meet someone and you kind of built up to a moment i don't think that i would have felt uh normal about it until one of those situations honestly i mean take porn for example right have you ever seen a, an uncircumcised penis in porn yeah oh well you were watching different porn than i was watching <laughs> well i mean and don't feel like it's it's catholic um sex education because um, public school sex education it, they don't do a good job of showing how bodies are different as and even for yeah. females and we're going to talk about that in a different episode 
but we don't talk about how vaginas look different and penises look different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, so you used to be very firm. You believed that parents should circumcise their children. What are What is your stance now? I would say still to get circumcised um, based off of the, just the health reasons for it. Like, uh, And what are those health reasons? So you have to, your parent, you have to have good parents is really what it comes down to. Um, as long as you're taught the right things, everything's great. But for example, if you don't clean the inside, this, you know, I wasn't told this until I was older. I mean, I, I did it myself, but if you don't clean the inside of your foreskin, you know, pulls him back and, and, and uh, you know, clean around the head. Like the secretions from your penis, they build up like a gunk almost around the head of your penis. So you have to really have, you have good parents that are, you know, invested in your life and know what's going on. But like, I didn't learn to, that I had to do that until I was at a doctor's appointment, you know, when I was old enough to remember this, this, um, this instance. So who ever know how, I mean, how old I was. But I, I would say it's cleaner. Um, and there's no real downside to having your penis cut, you know. You don't feel it. It's not like a no pressure on you. Don't feel that it's cut. I think it's um. I would say it's okay thing. I I would be, I can go either way, right? But I, I would I would I'm leaning towards circumcision. So you, but I wouldn't you do have, it when you're older. I would do it when the kid is young. So if you have a son, you plan on circumcising him. I mean, I'm not definite on that, but I, I, I'm, I, I'd be. You, you have know, a son I'm tomorrow. Like, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd probably get him circumcised. Would it surprise you to know that the two other men who were guests on the podcast both said they would not circumcise? Really? Are they circumcised? One is, one is not. And they both said they wouldn't. Why would they not? I get that. So to, to. Um, rebut those points, I didn't notice a difference in sensation. You know, everyone has rights, but to a degree, you know, when, when you're a kid, you, you don't have rights. I, I feel well, like parents, well, well, you do, because I, we, I, we outlawed genital, female genital mutilation in 1996, and yet... <laughs> you're, you're taking this as genital mutilation. I get that. Well, it is. Um, it's the same exact thing. Hmm. I don't personally see it as genital mutilation. Um, well, so what's the difference between cutting off um, a male foreskin and a female foreskin because there's a like the clitoral lady? no the well the clitoral hood so the thing that covers the, the clitoris mm-hmm. that is one type of do they cut that off that is you can hear about there's three types of genital mutilation or female circumcision okay. one type is cutting the hood just the hood one type is removing the entire clitoris one type is removing the entire clitoris and labia and then another type is sewing up part of the um, opening to the vagina and just leaving a small opening for urination and menstruation. Well, if there's no benefit, you know, it sounds like when you're pulling off the whole clitoris, like you're just, you, that, what is a clitoris job? It's, a, it's for sensation and to, I mean, for I'm pleasure, not, sexual for pleasure, pleasure, right? So, you know, that's a, I think it's entirely different. That That's, I would say that that's mutilation. This is, Trimming. What is this? Oh, trimming. trimming. I'm going to go with trimming. Okay, um, why do I, you think it's trimming? I think it's trimming. Um, why? I'm, I didn't lose anything from it. I didn't lose 
you know, I didn't, I didn't gain or lose anything. My personal experience. From so why it. do you think mammal a foreskin? Uh, for protection, but we have clothing and we're not really in the natural world. Anymore. So what we're... protects the penis from the clothing and what's in the clothing and what's in the diaper? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's an issue. You know, I'm not sure if there's anything in the clothing that's you know is damaging for the penis. The diaper. It's not. It's not more the the clothing and the diaper. It's not more. I mean, your uh, your penis is not. It's not. It doesn't absorb. You know, any more than a, you know, the the skin on your arm. So. Well, no, but it has the opening to your sex organs and the opening the mucous membrane. It's, your skin is in the closed. mucous membrane. It's still closed, though. You know what I mean. No. I guess, but Okay, what about what about you said that it was extremely painful, right? So painful. So how do you justify doing that to a baby? Uh I just wish I was done uh, I don't remember it, you know. I don't think you remember I mean you don't remember. You do childhood. remember it. What do you mean? Well I don't remember, you know, being a child, being a baby. I would much rather have had this when I was a baby. Right, but I mean the physical pain. How do you justify doing that to a, to a baby? Whether they remember it or not, that the pain is still happening, right? So how do you justify that? I don't know. Just, uh, I would. I don't know. I wouldn't, uh, honestly, I wouldn't think twice. Maybe we'll, we'll you wouldn't think it. twice about Personally, subjecting no. your baby to that type no. of pain? Same thing, right? Like the, the penis isn't fully developed yet. Maybe it's just not as, not as many um, uh, nerve endings down there. You can't feel it as much. You know, obviously when you're, 13 years old, everything's more developed. That was an unreal, unrealistic amount of pain. But I, I don't know. I don't know enough about um, the immediate post reaction to a child having his uh, foreskin removed. Now, would it surprise you to know that the younger the baby, the more exquisite the pain? Uh, not surprised, but understandable. And they found a link between circumcised babies and pain, more pain during vaccines, making a connection to PTSD. I would love to see some cases. So you're saying the foreskin caused PTSD in these children growing up? So early exposure to that pain. Yeah. There is a relationship between infants who were circumcised at birth and experienced that pain at birth and then... As a result, they had more pain during vaccines than the children who were not circumcised. They're so, what exactly kind of pain was it? They were just like more. They were more afraid of doctors. Yeah, they they, more they got of needles, more uh, they higher more reaction. Hold on. So you're saying the kids that <laughs> weren't, they still get vaccine, get vaccinated, but they didn't weren't um, as okay. That's interesting. All right. I guess my 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 uh, growing my my negative um, experiences growing up really uh, they painted a, a picture where I just see it as a bad thing not to have it. A relationship with someone else is two people you make two decisions and you kind of go from there. Because I'm obviously I'm I'm biased. But to be clear, your negative experience was all self inflicted, right? True, definitely all self inflicted. Okay. And from this experience, you know, I feel like I would uh, try to minimize that for my potential son and have him uh you know have him just not to deal with it like i had to and that's my thinking right like i had to deal with this i didn't like it you say you want to change it for your son so instead of yeah. cutting or changing his body altering his body the shift could be changing the way he feels about his body 
So yeah, having why those could conversations, you have it and then ha- like why I didn't have, yeah, that could be having those way. conversations. Like, hey, you know, there's a lot of books, for example, about bodies that you can buy for toddlers and that you can mm-hmm. read and talk about it and. A, a cultural shift too that we need to have in society it's time that to have a conversation about circumcision and say like hello this is literally not okay um, and i think we're one of the only countries that do it is that right we are yes yeah, so um well you'll hear all this when you listen to the podcast but a critique of the aap's 2012 statement where they said um you know oh well there's a lot of non-medical justifications for it okay well that's not your job your job is to be you know your your pediatric group right So a critique, which was penned by 38 heads of non-U.S. organizations for pediatrics, pediatric surgery, and pediatric urology, accused the AAP of cultural bias and stated that the claimed benefits are, quote, questionable, weak, and likely to have little public health relevance in a Western context. Concluded that there's growing consensus among physicians, including those in the United States, that physicians should discourage parents from circumcising their healthy infant boys because non-therapeutic circumcision of underage boys in Western societies has no compelling health benefits, causes post-operative pain, can have serious long-term side effects, constitutes a violation of the United Nations Declarations of the Rights of the Child, and conflicts with the Hippocratic Oath, primum non nocere, first do no harm. I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds like a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like really it really does. Like, you have a unique position. A unique perspective. My position, while I do 100% agree with you, I wonder why it not, did not become the norm, is I would be nervous that this, it does not become the norm where he lives. Assuming I'm still living in America, right? If I'm living here in my little New York world, uh, right outside the city, if it didn't become the norm of people to, to not get circumcised, I would be concerned that he would have the same trouble that I did growing up, and I would be again, still a way to have him get circumcised and avoid the pain and disruption I had to be uh, in, um, uh, subjected to. However, you know, uh, I'm, op- I'm obviously not against not getting it. And I would, in this case, you know, lean towards having my parent and, um, and then my parent, my, um, my wife, my partner uh, guide my, you know, me and, and our decision as well as the doctor to maybe not getting it and, you know, in the moment, making the best possible decision for the child. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I'm definitely more uh, educated on this, but as, uh, as a result of our conversation, but I don't know, still not sold, but only because of my bias, not because of, uh, it's not logic, it's self-inflicted. Um, maybe it's that drama, right? I gave myself the trauma from the circumcision that I inflicted on myself. That's what it is. Ooh. Right? It's a PTSD for what I gave myself. That's, I that's what it is. I love that. I'm using that. We're using that. You can definitely use it. But uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's my, my bias. It came from myself. Yeah. It's the lack of education. The lack of education growing up, mm-hmm. which is why I felt like it was such a bad thing. And which you can change for your child. I totally can but mm-hmm. which is why I'm also biased and uh, I lean towards maybe getting him a circum getting him circumcised, which is why it's good to have people around me. Cause I'm not going to be, I don't want to be so overbearing in my child's life. Even if he's just out of the womb where I'm, Hey, 
doesn't matter, get him circumcised, you know, and I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm obviously going to take uh, into account the people around me, doctors, and uh, my partner's opinion. And I'm definitely open to not getting him circumcised. But well, I'm also super... open to getting him circumcised important things are you can get circumcised later in life even if it might be more challenging Mm -hmm. you can't it's very difficult to go through foreskin restoration oh you can't bring it back right (laughs) i dated a a girl once where she actually decided to get her labia um trimmed not for you know not for any specific reason but she always felt like it was too big and she didn't like it she, she was embarrassed by it. So, you know, similar to how I got my, uh, I was circumcised. So as in response to that, she decided to, um, to get it trimmed when she was a little, a little bit older in high school. So around the same time I got circumcised. So hopefully I can, you know, create an environment with my children where all this is open. They don't have to be afraid about it. They know that their body is, is perfect just the way it is. You know, these things are all normal. Right, and, and we would feel uncomfortable like I did. We would never suggest cutting a girl's labia at birth yeah, no because way. they were too long or something absurd like that. Yeah, crazy. And um, Plus, I think... no boy gives a f- about that. Come on. No, and have you and... ever had any guy like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want this because your labia is too big. What the? F- Who made that up? We are literally going to talk about this on another episode, so we'll have you back for that. Great. I just want to point something out to you. If you are, like, getting a girl pregnant soon, you talked a lot, a lot, a lot about, like, other people's opinions. Like, I hope you um, realize that and reflect on that because literally everything you said was just, like, you don't want – you're worried about what other people will think about mm-hmm. your kid and, like, you're, you don't want your kid to be bullied by the – but I think it's more important to teach your kid that – uh, what other people think it sounds so cliche but literally what other people think doesn't matter and at the end of the day everybody's body is different and i think we drill that into girls heads so much like because everybody's breasts are different everybody's period comes at a different time everybody gets back at a different time yeah. and instead of literally cutting off a part of your infant i think it it, it might be more um productive to just you know teach your kid not to uh self-respect <laughs> yeah and yeah. self-esteem i don't know okay self-love well thank you so much for coming on actually something similar to that this whole topic is um is tonsils right if you ever get you ever hear of tonsillitis we get this little uh i had my tonsils removed so tonsils are a humongous thing for your your body's immune system mm-hmm. and for your uh your lymphic system when you remove those, you're, you're, you're weakening your body's defenses. Um, the same person, right? They had a labia chopped. Uh, her brother got um, his tonsils removed because he was embarrassed to be getting throat stones. They smell bad, make your breath bad. They're tonsil stones. I that's what I yeah. had. Yeah. So they got rid of the, they got rid of the tonsils for that reason. So it, it falls under the same umbrella, you know. Well, I got my fork skin chopped. No, I'm embarrassed. it you, doesn't. No, why not? No, it doesn't. Kinda. I hate you. No, because bit. I had to. No, I'll tell you why. I had to go to the nurse's office and miss class during school because I had to get a Q-tip from her and go into the bathroom and dig out the tonsil stones because it feels like you have something stuck in your throat. That's what it feels like. Huh. I never like, had them. It impedes on your life, so that's why I got mine out. 
And here's here's how it relates to foreskins, though, is a lot of people will say, oh, if your kid gets strep a lot, just, you know, get their tonsils out when they're young because when they're older, it'll hurt a lot more. And it did. It, it hurt really, really, really bad. But I didn't need them out when I was little. I needed them out when I was older. Thank you for schooling my uneducated ass. And thank you for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you.